Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's show, we are going to be talking about uh, pricing and how to value your work. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. This is a topic that is interesting, I think, for both for people starting out and also for people a little further down the road with their work. Um, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I can share some things that have worked for me or some observations. And I know watching people starting out with their work, I would say there's often a problem uh, or a challenge in pricing work where you're either undervaluing it or overvaluing it. <laughs> yeah, and artwork, like anything else, is a market. And generally speaking, if your work is not selling, you need to lower your prices. If it is selling and you're, you can't keep up, then you need to raise your prices. But it's not quite that simple. It is not quite that simple because it's one of the one of the rules in the art world that you don't lower your prices. Now, people get around that with offering discounts, but the base price is supposed to stay the same. So I guess it's it's generally it's better to, to aim a little low and then raise your prices. But a problem I see with uh, people starting out is really undervaluing it. So putting something up for sale with a, such a low price that it doesn't seem like it. I mean, there's a psychological thing. Like you see a price exactly. on something, it's very you low. Think it, you think it, it's cheap in quality, not necessarily. Something. Yeah. Something about the price does create value in the customer's mind. Yeah. It's, it's quite a, it's, it's a really an interesting thing with, with artwork because uh, yeah, if it's very low, it looks unprofessional. And, and yet I, I understand why people starting out do price it low because you haven't, at that point, established your prices, and um, you may yourself not value it as much as you will a few years down the road. So, uh, how how to arrive at that price? You know, that's um, I would say the best advice is to try to to go to other exhibits or try to see other work that you feel is done by people that's kind of, they are kind of at your level in some way in terms of experience, in terms of what they're doing and um, size, medium, etc. Well, value in its very nature is subjective and artwork especially is, is very subjective in nature. Yeah. And so it may be difficult to find something that really compares to what you're doing, especially <laughs> if you're doing something truly original and unique. Yeah. It, it, it's not easy. I, I think another another way to get going with prices is just to ask if you have a friend that's a more experienced artist, or if you're starting with a gallery, they will definitely have opinions, but most people starting out don't have a gallery. So finding somebody you can ask who you whose opinion you value. And, you know, I've been asked this by friends who are starting out and my reaction is almost always, oh, you're kidding, that price is really low. <laughs> because like I said, that seems to be the the impulse. And on the other hand, if you price it too high, you know, there's obvious problems with that too, when you when you don't have any track record and you don't have collectors and things to justify a high price. Yeah, on the one hand, you have like your pride and your ego that's maybe driving you to to overvalue your work, and on the other side, you have yeah. We've talked, I think, before about imposter syndrome, where you kind of think like, 
you know, my work, it isn't, I'm not a real professional artist, you know, (laughs) and, and there's a a tendency to feel like you don't really deserve a price for your work in a lot of people. Uh, And, uh, and, and that's something that I think is, is maybe more common uh, in terms of a a difficulty to overcome Mm -hmm. um, is in realizing that your work really is uh, does have value and you deserve yeah. to be paid for if it. You, if you think it's good enough to offer it for sale, then yes, you know, put, put some pride behind it. And we've talked too before about self-talk and how we think about ourselves. And, uh, and I think that it's really important in this aspect of, of knowing that you deserve to be paid well for your work. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, as a, as a bottom line starting point, if you really don't have anyone to ask and you have no clue, at least start with some sense of the materials alone that you've put into it. And I have seen people price, say, works on panel where they probably paid 50 or $60 for the panel and they're trying to sell it for $200 or something. And it's like, you know, the materials alone plus, you know, panel plus paint or whatever is half the price. And and the work that you put in is worth something. It you is. are adding value to those materials. <laughs> you better otherwise, be. <laughs> otherwise, you're just you should just go into the art supplies sales business if you can't right. <laughs> add value. Right. You're not just selling art supplies here. Exactly. So, um, and of course, when you're starting out, you're not. I mean, you're you're putting a lot of time in that is practice or it is, you know, working your way up. So, I think as for a more advanced artist, for sure, think about. How much time are you typically putting into a work of art? And not only that, but value your experience over time because a work of art that may come pretty quickly to an advanced artist doesn't mean that it's not worth a higher price because of that artist's experience and all the, all the years they put into it behind the scenes, more or less. So, um, anyway, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a tricky thing. And I think the other factors that enter into it, like, you know, what if it's your mother that wants to buy it, you know, or whatever? Uh, you probably give it to your mother, right? But uh, I'd give you, a, you know, 10% off or something. Oh, okay. Thank you, Ross. <laughs> um, but, the, you know, when you're selling to to friends and relatives, it's another kind of big gray area that I think experienced artists deal with this as much as anyone. And um, years ago, I I kind of decided that I was going to draw some kind of a line for myself because I had been habitually selling to people I knew for 50% off. And my my logic, and I know this will sound familiar to other artists, is my logic was, well, if I sold it through a gallery, I would only get 50% of the price. And after a few times when I had sold work directly for full price in various circumstances, I realized, you know what, I never know if this particular piece will sell directly for its actual value. And also just as a general kind of rule not to undercut my galleries, and that's huge, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But when you're dealing with personal relationships, it's a little different. Well, and also I I think that you run into that with any business across the board. It's kind of a universal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, almost anybody who's ever run a business knows that you, your friends and your family tend to approach you for your product or your services and, uh, think that they're going to get, get it, get it for free or at a very steep discount. Right. And if, if you do have friends or family members who have a business, please go and support them and pay them the full price of <laughs> right. what they're asking because they're, it's very, very difficult 
to get started in the art world or in any other business. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you're you kind of relying on your friends and family to support you in this effort and to support your business. Yeah, good point. And it's, I, I think it's, uh, in a way, it's, it's very, very rude and uh, disrespectful to... Um, to not show people who you love how much you value the work th- that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I think in a lot of professions, if if somebody you know is a doctor or a lawyer, you're probably not going to expect a big discount when you, you use their you services. Might, yeah, you might expect maybe like a five minute chat for free or something like, hey, can you give me some quick advice? But if they're going to represent you, yeah, then obviously you're going to pay them. Yeah. So I think, you know, in general, yeah, looking at art as any other profession and being willing to pay for it. That said, I mean, I do feel like if people come to the studio or if they're in one of my workshops, that I I am willing to come down a bit on the price. But my my cutoff point is 20%. And the reason I pick 20% off is that is that is typically the lowest or the most discount that I would approve of at a gallery. And and a lot of times I would I would not approve of 20% off, but that's kind of a standard when a gallery discounts for say a designer, some middle person who's going to get a cut, 20% is kind of standard. So I picked that because I I felt like it was a reasonable, comfortable middle ground where I could say, "Hey, for you, this is how much the price is." But even with that, you know, I felt it was difficult to come to that because I felt like maybe uh, I was expected to come down more than that. And your point that you just made kind of plays into that, like, um, you know, this is my, my income, so I need to ask a reasonable amount. So that's a kind of a, a personal pricing decision. When you put your work out to the public um, and and there is no perhaps no discount involved unless you're going through a gallery. That's where you really have to put thought into that kind of your list price on things and, and really try to find the right, right price point as the term goes. (laughs) So, um, and then to remember that, you know, it really is frowned upon to ever lower your prices in the art world. So finding a base point to build up from is, is good. Um, Another easy kind of formulaic way to figure this out, you do have to start with some kind of general idea of just pick a size, like maybe you work a lot in, say, a size like 15 by 20 or whatever it is, you have work in this size, and getting a sense of what you can reasonably sell that piece for. And then you start doing some math, and you figure out what is the price per square inch of that piece. And you can use another unit if you prefer price per square foot or centimeters or whatever you want to work in. But you you then figure out a formula whereby middle, middle-sized works are around that price. And then you use a slightly higher price per square inch for smaller work and lower for bigger work. This keeps your lower-priced work from being too inexpensive and your biggest price biggest work from being overpriced. So what I have on hand in my computer is a chart, you know, and I put down like every size that I work in and I figure out what the price is. And then it's really simple, you know, and 
when you go to price your work or somebody asks you, what do you charge for this? Just go and look at your chart, you know, <laughs> because the things that really shouldn't enter into your prices, in my opinion, anyway, are things like, I love this painting or, you know, this one took me a long time or whatever it is, you know, those kind of really subjective things. So if you use just a really, you know, standard chart model, you won't be swayed by personal factors. So is is your basic formula, though, based on the size of the work? Do you do any separate kind of pricing for like this series of work or, um, you yeah. know, work using different mediums? Right, or- right. Good point. Yeah. So works on paper, for example, are typically not valued as highly as works on canvas or panel. I'm talking painting here. But yeah, prints, drawings, works on paper, uh, they do have a lower price range. And as far as series, not not too much, unless they were very different or very different medium. And in that case, you could. Um, so in general, I mean, this is another truism in the art world, your prices should be consistent, like no matter where they show up, as far as public prices that you put out there. So this is especially true now in the age of the internet. So, uh, you know, if people look at your prices at one gallery, they don't want to look at another gallery and see them way different. And the galleries would strongly object to that anyway. What do you think about the idea of doing like a limited series of say 10 works with specific colors and maybe a specific size and doing those at a different kind of price level because they're you're you're limiting yourself to just these few works that are going to be done in this way Hmm. you mean trying to make them more valuable yeah more exclusive or Hmm. create some scarcity in your work yeah, I never thought of it. It, it's yeah. I'd have to think about that. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hit me right away as something that would would work because I mean it's something that's done in a lot of other industries. You do like a limited release of something. Oh, I you see. Know? Yeah. Um. Well, I guess because all all of my work and of most yeah, all of your work is, is unique. Is so, unique. So yeah. how can something be more unique than something else? Maybe know? that's something that would work more for like a printmaker or. Yeah, yeah, like and that. and print prints that are in a limited release format, they are more um, considered more valuable than if you printed, um, you know, a thousand of something. And in that case, it probably wouldn't be a hand pulled print anyway. So, hand pulled prints are considered more valuable than mass produced prints for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I, mm, that's a. That's an idea that I'm not sure translates, but it's maybe somebody listening here will will have a, an idea for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so if you are working with a gallery and pricing, especially your your first gallery that you work with, and I I was very upfront with the first gallery that I worked with and said, um, I have not sold work before as a professional artist. So what do you think? And that it is kind of a funny story because the first, very first gallery I ever worked with way overpriced my work and I didn't sell anything. And 
I just kind of wiped that slate clean because it was a number of years before I went with another gallery due to life circumstances and raising kids or whatever. And in that situation, because I'd never sold anything, I was okay with starting at a different price point entirely based on this gallery's recommendation. Um, so because I hadn't actually established that my work could sell at that price. <laughs> so it's not absolutely true that you can never lower it. But once you've started selling it at a certain point, then yeah, it's hard to backpedal on that. But typically with when you start working with galleries you can you can accept their evaluation of what your work will sell for and then over the years you can add 10%, 15% a year every 2 years maybe and just gradually inch it upwards and it does really happen over time and it can be very effective i look back at you know my prices of even 10 years ago are much lower than they are now and so it it eases you into the market and and people don't it's you know the prices can raise without it being dramatic um one of the things you may notice if you're looking at prices in a gallery some artists have prices that are much higher than what everyone else has and i I'd, I'd say there are probably a couple of reasons that i know of for that and one would be just that they have more of a reputation and they you know for whatever reason they're more well known um, and the other one might be that the person is selling work in a market that's much higher priced. Yeah, <laughs> if, typically if you're new. selling work in London and Paris and New York, then exactly. it's a different market entirely from Santa Fe. And so, um, so what happens, you know, when you enter, if you if you have your work in a gallery, and uh, you know, in this country, especially New York City, and they probably will demand that you raise your prices, and then you, you know. Like you kind of put your everything in one basket there because yeah, you may end up pricing yourself out of these other mm -hmm. markets. If it's not if it's not hugely different, it's probably fine. <clears throat> but if it's if it's quite a bit different, it may be problematic. So you have to decide, you know, what's what's right for you. And if you can sell it at that price in New York, you know, by all means. <laughs> um, but. But as an artist looking at what other people charge, I think it's important to keep kind of the big picture and not jump to conclusions that your own work is underpriced because you see other work that's higher priced. You know, you're just trying to find the right price for you. Um, I feel like for my my own work is fairly mid-priced and I'm kind of comfortable with that. I don't mind it going up some more, but I I want people to be able to buy it, so... I'm not overpricing or trying to push it too hard. Um, another question that comes up a lot is is putting your prices online, and I think we've we've mentioned in earlier podcasts that for for whatever reason, again, the art world is full of interesting um, standards. It's not considered professional to put your prices on your website, usually because that is considered more of a portfolio. But I think one thing you can do somewhere on your website, you could put something like my work ranges in price from, you know, name the range. And that way people have some idea and they can probably fill in the blanks, you know, about the size of what they're looking at. Um, and the other thing is to use another type of website, perhaps uh, to put some public work 
up with prices. I use Artwork Archive for that for my small works on paper. And I think, you know, it's kind of a sideline and it works. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, this may change in the future and people need to kind of stay abreast of what's actually going on in the art world. Um, you know, it's, uh, right now the, the, the galleries are kind of the, the, uh, the gatekeepers to the art world. Um, and that has changed dramatically in the music industry, Mm -hmm. in film and television, uh, over just the past few years. And Mm -hmm. it may not stay that way with the art world. That's really true. And it already is changing a lot. And so, yeah, I'm speaking from a pretty traditional point of view of, of selling, you know, most of my work through regular brick and mortar galleries. So, um, and, and one last point I want to mention just quickly is the idea of trading your work or bartering your work. And this is a wonderful way to build a collection. I have some really, I'm really happy with things in my own collection that I've traded. But it's also can be a little tricky because if someone wants you to trade with them, you know, I give you my work, you give me your work, uh, you know, and it's a friend and you're not crazy about their work or whatever, whatever reason. I mean, there could be various situations where you didn't want to trade. One of the big reasons is because you need the money more than you need another piece of artwork. And that's okay to just say, you know, I really need the income more than this trade because that's what's happening there is you are giving up income in exchange for this exchangement of exchange of pieces. So I think most of your art friends would understand if you just say, you know, I just can't right now. It's not what I want to do. Um, well, and, and that's that's that going back to the whole people wanting a discount or whatever because they're friends, um, you know. And when you do uh, give some something away for free or for a steep discount, uh, you're losing not only that sale but the time that was invested into that that could have been mm-hmm. put into something else. So, yeah. like I think about this when I'm say uh, I do a little bit of Uber and Lyft to get some extra money. And, uh, you know, I had one friend who, you know, I, I would get requests from him just kind of randomly, you know, and he'd say, oh, why don't you just cancel that ride and give me a ride for free? Oh, <laughs> and it's like, well, then I'm not getting paid for the ride that I'm giving you and I'm not giving somebody mm-hmm. else a ride who would pay. Yeah. So. And I think, you know, I think all that is absolutely legitimate to consider. And if you really want the other person's piece, by all means. I mean, I think it's a wonderful way for artists to support each other. But of course, the tricky part comes about and actually, you know, you're both, you both have to really want the other person's piece. And this can be, you know, a little uncomfortable. So right. And we all have only so much wall space that we mm-hmm. can really dedicate to artwork. And yeah, um, that comes at a premium as well. If if you're putting right. their artwork up, then something else is not going right. up on your wall. And you're you're fine to say to them, you know, I just don't really have a place to put your piece, so let's not let's not trade. Um, but any- trading is great, and you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it all depends on the circumstances. I mean, like I say, I I would never speak against it because I have pieces that I traded for that I absolutely love. So, uh, it's just something. You know, it's not something you need to do without carefully considering your own feelings about that particular trade and making sure that you feel okay about it. So if you do trade for artwork um, and later on down the road, 
uh, you don't really have space for it or something. Um, how do you feel about then selling that artwork? Um, I, I would say that was probably, would probably be all right. I mean, once you own a piece, I mean, I guess I'm just speaking like in practical terms. Once you own a piece, it's yours, mm -hmm. whether you got it by trade or paying for it and you are okay to sell it. And yeah. if and if you gave somebody a piece of yours in trade or or even just as a friend, you know, I want you to have this and they they then sold it, how would you how would you feel? <laughs> I wouldn't feel great, but Okay. You know, I couldn't really complain either because okay. it's theirs and you give somebody a gift, it's it's theirs to deal with as they want to. So, you know, it's true for any gift, so <laughs> True with regifting at Christmas time and all that. Well, yeah, exactly. Once you know, it's yours, it's yours. Artwork seems particularly personal. It though. is personal, yeah. But um, and and I think it's a bit strange. Like I have occasionally realized that something of mine was on what they call the secondary market, where somebody had bought it and they're reselling it. And artists never profit from those secondary sales. And Sometimes there's been some case made that maybe you should be able to profit from that, but it's certainly not the case right now. So all you can think is, well, wasn't working out for them anymore. So there it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I, my perspective on it would be, as you said, they own it and they can do what they, they want it. with it. Mm -hmm. um, but also uh, having your artwork be seen by people who truly enjoy it is to your benefit. Yes. Um, if people are not displaying your artwork, if they're not... Uh, showing it off, you know, if it's not if not if it's not in a place of prominence, then it's not really helping you that they own it, that you got that True sale. Enough. And yeah. if it goes somewhere where people enjoy it more, then more people see it, more people enjoy it, more yeah. people are likely to seek you out and say, "I want one of those." Yeah, uh, it's it's all good points. I think I think bottom line is kind of you know you you figure out your prices. You feel okay about them. You've tested them uh, to some extent. And then if you make sales, you let it go. You know, whether you, in the end, you feel like you didn't get enough for the piece or you're not sure what's going to happen with it or whatever it is, once you make the decision, once the piece is sold, you know, it's out of your hands. And you live and you learn. I mean, pricing is definitely one of those aspects of the art career where you you build on your own experience and you you understand when it's all right to discount when it's advantageous to discount and when it's okay for your gallery to do so which is usually somebody's buying more than one piece or they've they've uh collected your work in the past um something like that you know it's and one other thing that comes up, I'll just mention quickly before we end here, is the idea of paying over time. A lot of artists, when they sell personally, um, one of the strategies is to offer somebody uh, the piece that they'll pay in installments. And just a couple of kind of good sense rules there. Get a down payment that's pretty substantial on the piece. And don't release the piece until the person has actually paid you the full amount. And this can be tricky with friends, but, you know, you may find yourself in an awkward position if you don't do it this way. <laughs> like having to tell your friend, oh, you still owe me for that, and it's hanging in your living room, you know. Um, galleries will also sell over time, and they, they differ as to whether you, the artist, has to wait for the full payment 
In other words, they may pay you in installments. I think the best situation is when they pay you up front and they handle collecting the installments themselves. But not all galleries do it that way. Well, do you have any final thoughts on pricing or any last points you'd like to make? Um, I, I think the basic thing is to be as objective about it as you can. And and it's not it's not a value placed on you as a person or even your work. It's a it's a value placed on the work that that functions in the art market as as you are dealing with it. And finding what that is can be a little bit of trial and error. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Make sure to check out www.squeegeepress.com and www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks. Thanks.